Welcome to the Cyber Guy Podcast, your source for engaging cyber education, cyber discussions, and a look at current cyber news and trends with retired FBI Special Agent Darren Mott. Good morning, afternoon, evening, friends. Welcome to episode 94 of the Cyber Guy Podcast. I'm your host, retired FBI Supervisor Special Agent Darren Mott. In this episode, no guest today. We are going to do make this a Get Cyber Smart special version of the Cyber Guy Podcast. Like I said earlier, um, I was doing two podcasts, and I found that to be a little hard to maintain both uh, with any kind of regularity, as I'm sure you are aware. Uh, so I have gone to including a Cyber Smart piece uh, in the Cyber Guy Podcast. So we're going this, this, this episode today is going to be all about being cyber smart. I'm going to talk about a couple different news items, talk about what it means to you. Um, I want to thank Fox 5 of DC for having me on a couple times over the last week to talk about some of the things I'm going to talk about in this particular podcast to include the Tesla lawsuit and the uh, FBI report that came out regarding juice jacking. So we'll talk about both of those things in a little more depth than I did in the three or four minutes I had on their broadcast. So uh, as always, I thank you for listening. If uh, it helps me, if you subscribe to the podcast, so you get it immediately when it downloads. Uh, and if you wanted to provide a review on Apple or Google or wherever you get your podcast, that would be helpful as well. Feel free to follow me on LinkedIn. I'm at uh, linkedin.com slash IN slash Darren Mott, D-A-R-R-E-N-M-O-T-T. Um, and if you have any questions, thoughts, or comments about the podcast, you are certainly welcome at any time to send me an email, Darren at the cyberguy.com. So let's get right to it today, since this is going to be a cyber smart version of the podcast. Let me even play the cyber smart music. There it is. This is going to be, instead of a 10-minute, this is going to be more of a 15 to 20-minute look into this crazy thing we call cyber. So there you go. There's the theme music. Yeah, yippee ki So let's talk first about Tesla. So this article I'm going to refer to, to start with, is from Ars Tenica. This is from uh, two days ago, April 10th, 2023. John Brodkin is the reporter. Uh, the title is Lawsuit, Tesla Must Be Punished for Tasteless Sharing of Car Camera Images. So Tesla is facing a class action complaint after it was revealed that employees using an internal message system to share sensitive videos and images of customers taken by car cameras. Plaintiff Henry Ye, a California resident who owns a Model Y, sued Tesla on Friday on behalf of himself and all other people in the U.S. who owned or leased a Tesla at any time in the past four years. The lawsuit draws from allegations in a Reuters article that was based on interviews with nine former Tesla employees. Ah, former Tesla employees. So disgruntled would be my guess at that particular point. Uh, and I quote from this, Tesla captures recordings of people vulnerable on their own property in their own garages, and even in their own homes, including at least one instance where Tesla cameras captured a video of a man naked in his home, the lawsuit said. Tesla also captured and disseminated videos and images of customers' pets and even their children, a group that society has long recognized as vulnerable to exploitation and manipulation. Indeed, parents' interest in their child's privacy is one of the most fundamental liberty interests society recognizes. Now, one thing that Tesla claims is that the information they get from the car their cars is anonymous. So the, the images and stuff is not tied necessarily to a user account. Whether we can believe that or not, hard to say without looking at the source code. I'll take them at their word to an extent, um, but I doubt that's the case. They've got to have some way to target it together because the goal for Tesla is to become automated and autonomous self-driving vehicles. So they need this information that comes from these vehicles to be able to 
figure out how to make that happen. Uh, and as users of Tesla, you go into it knowing that the, the devices do this kind of recording. Now, whether they should record when you're not driving is maybe a bridge too far, but it's where we're at. Because I got to think about it, when Tesla is when a Tesla is plugged in, and I don't have a Tesla, so I can't really say, so I'm kind of swinging um, blind here. But when you're plugged in, I mean, Tesla has to send updates to the car. I, I, that car has got to have so much software built into it to make it work and for what it's intended to ultimately do that I'm sure they are finding vulnerabilities all the time as they review the source code and they have to send updates. So they likely do that when the car is not in motion. So when you're plugging it in at night, uh, chances are it goes out and it looks for updates and it sends information that says this car has this version of this particular software. If there's an update for it, Tesla will push that update to the car. You have to do that. Tesla's got to be able to do that to make the car work the way that you as a Tesla owner hope it does. So when you buy the car, when as, as with anything with software, there's a user agreement, you allow them to capture this data. Now, the problem here for Tesla is that employees should not be taking that information and then creating memes and sharing the information on individual Slack channels. I think the problem that this particular lawsuit's going to have, I, I'm no lawyer, so let's start with that. I am not a lawyer. I'm just looking at this from a from uh, what I've seen in the past and understanding how the kind of the law and the legal system works is you've got to find someone who was damaged by this. Um, have not heard that anyone's been damaged because if the data is anonymous, even though you maybe have a picture of a kid or of a car, a pet or whatever, do you tie it to someone? Is that person claiming to be a victim? So if there is a victim that, that has been victimized by this, sure. And chances are Tesla will probably settle this out of, settle this quietly. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how this particular goes. Now, in this particular report, here's an interesting paragraph. It says, one ex-employee told, told Reuters, I'm bothered by it because the people who buy the car, I don't think they know what that their privacy is like not respected. We could see them doing laundry and really intimate things. We could see their kids. All right. How come you didn't say this when you were an employee? There's an ex-employee saying this. What did they say when it was happening? I mean, did they bring it up and say, hey, look, we're seeing these things and it's kind of weird and freaky, creepy. We should worry about it. This brings up a larger issue of data privacy in general uh, with our connected world. So in the last month, you know, the, the CEO of TikTok talked to Congress about data privacy and what they do with the U.S.-based data. And certainly the issue can be foreseen that that personal data, and I can guarantee you personal data from U.S. citizens using TikTok is going into some coffer, some data, some network somewhere owned by the, or managed by the Chinese Communist Party for them to use either currently or down the road at some point. But you have no, no, um, recourse there. You can't go sue the Chinese government because they have your data and doing stuff with it because you don't know what they're doing uh, and they don't care. Now, this is a Tesla's a U.S.-based company. There's a lawsuit. So this kind of shows the difference between U.S. companies and, and even U.S. social media companies and TikTok and other foreign-owned social media companies because you have the recourse through the civil system to make a claim to sue these organizations who misuse your data, as we're seeing here. So it'll be interesting to see how this kind of goes forward, simply because, again, is there a victim who's, a, who's, been, who's been damaged? Certainly a problem. I'm not saying that it's good that they did these kind of things. Um, but, you know, certainly 
if you, you can go in and disable it. You can make it so that Tesla can't get the information from your car, can't see the camera settings, but then your car is not updated. It can't do what it was, what you're hoping it to do when it wants to drive by itself ultimately. So you have to wage that risk factor again, like I say all the time, all of this comes down to measuring risk. If you want a Tesla and you want it ultimately to be autonomous and self-driving, you've got to get up, give up some privacy for the company to be able to do what it's trying to do. If you don't want to give up that particular privacy aspect, buy a Honda. You won't have the issue. You won't have as big an issue. Certainly Honda get, captures data too because some of them are connected now, but not to the extent Tesla does. Obviously, there's no cameras that are reporting back to Honda naked men walking in the garage naked or anything like that. But, but I say that all to say, you know, Again, you have legal recourse. So interesting article, uh, interesting note in time here to see how this rolls forward. Maybe we'll revisit this down the line when this this particular class action lawsuit moves a little further down the road. Second article um, is about juice jacking. So the FBI came out with a, a warning this week regarding public phone charging stations. So um, this is an article from The Hill. Stephanie Noikam uh, is reporting, uh, and it's called the title, Don't Use Public Phone Charging Station, says the FBI. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that misleading, that misleading headline, but that's okay. So from the article, the FBI is warning people to not use public phone charging stations, which have become increasingly popular in places like airports and shopping malls. The problem is that hackers have found a way to introduce malware and other software onto devices through these public stations, the FBI said. Quote, avoid using free charging stations in airports, hotels, and shopping centers, the FBI's Denver Twitter account said. Bad actors have figured out ways to use public USB ports to introduce malware and monitoring software onto devices. Carry your own charger and USB cord and use the electrical outlet instead. So good points here. Um, this is kind of the equivalent to skimming machines on ATMs and at gas stations where bad guys kind of override the, the thing you put your credit card in and they capture your credit card data doing the same thing here because these charging stations are and in some cases are ultimately managed by some kind of underlying software they can modify the software they can modify the hardware so that when you plug your usb cable into the charging port they have the capability potential to capture data off your phone to send data to your phone to install malware all depends on a couple things um, but, and, and whether it's an, an Apple or an Android phone or a tablet, you should always keep it updated. Bad guys, every time Apple or Google comes out with some kind of, um, software updates because they found a vulnerability within that software code that's making the, 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 the device vulnerable in some way for bad guys. Bad guys look for these kind of updates, figure out what the vulnerability is, and then figure out ways to utilize that vulnerability because they know not everybody is going to immediately update their phone uh, or tablet, because sometimes the updates can cause other problems within the phone or, or update or device that cause battery issues and stuff. So people will, will wait to do the update. That is great for bad guys because they can then create malware that utilizes that vulnerability to get access to your phone. So certainly it is a problem. And it, it's like with any technology, bad guys figure out ways to exploit it. Two years ago, three years ago, the idea of using these charging stations to deploy malware and steal data was kind of a theory. It's now obviously happening. And so doesn't mean that if there's free charging station, you can't use it. 
the best thing to do is to have your own little charging brick or, you know, something that you plug, you don't plug it into the USB outlet, you plug it into the electrical outlet with your own charging block and you charge your phone. That way you're safe. Now there is another device. It's called a USB blocker. It goes between your USB and the USB outlet. It's kind of, it's, it's nicknamed the USB condom. So if you want to practice safe charging, use that device and plug away uh, pretty much it will because it will not allow data to transfer from the phone to the outlet or from the outlet to the phone. It blocks that data transfer capability. So how much those run? That's a darn good question. It would have been smart for me to look that up before we started this this particular podcast. Let me just, in real time, take a look at what a USB condom price is. They run. So here is one on Amazon called the Firewire USB condom for smartphone data protection. It will cost you $25. Chances are you can find cheaper ones. Um, that's just the first one that popped up. Uh, this one has actually doesn't even have Prime. It's a $12 delivery. So I'd, I'd avoid that one if I could, obviously. But here's another one called Port-A-Pow USB data blocker. This is also, okay, so this one's on Amazon. And it is $8, So, I mean, they're out there. You can go find them. Uh, and just, it just basically gives you peace of mind and you won't have to worry about juice jacking becoming an issue for you if you use public uh, charging stations. It brings up the, I, the thought, and this is what um, Fox 5 asked me when I went on to talk about this, about Wi-Fi as well. Because obviously bad guys use free Wi-Fi to do bad things also. Because when you can, as I've said before, and this bears repeating, when you log into a, a commercial or free publicly available Wi-Fi, all the data you, you transmit across that network is in, op- is in clear text. So if you go to Google, if you go to Gmail, um, your password and your login information is provided there in, in clear text. So anybody who is monitoring that network, if, network, if they know what they're doing, and it's not hard, uh, they can see that information and particularly compromise your email or stuff like that. The easy way around that is have a VPN. So you purchase a VPN for 50, 60 bucks a year. Uh, you turn that on once you connect to the free Wi-Fi and your data is encrypted. Don't have to worry about it. Uh, the other thing is make sure you're using multi-factor authentication for your critical accounts, your email, your financial accounts, all that kind of stuff. So that even if your password is compromised because you're too lazy to use multiple passwords in multiple different places, then um, this will at least provide you some additional protection from the bad guys using your legitimate credentials to get into your accounts. Third article for today is a plus a positive story of successful law enforcement action. Uh, And this is from the Department of Justice, a press release from April 5th. This is last week. Criminal marketplace disrupted in international cyber operations. This is Genesis Market offered access to data stolen from over 1.5 million compromised computers worldwide and was a key enabler of ransomware. So the Justice Department announced today on April 5th, a coordinated international operation against Genesis Market, a criminal online marketplace that advertised and sold packages of account access credentials such as username and passwords for email, bank accounts, social media that have been stolen from malware-infected computers around the world. Working across 45 of our FBI field offices and alongside our international partners, the Justice Department has launched an unprecedented takedown of a major criminal marketplace that enabled cyber criminals to victimize individuals, businesses, and governments around the world. Attorney General Merrick Garland said this must have been a big one if he came out to do the announcing. Our seizure of Genesis Market should serve as a warning to cyber criminals who operate or use these criminal marketplaces, the Justice Department and our international partners will shut down your legal activities, find you and bring you to justice. It's good they did that in this place, but let's ask a question. 
how long it take. Now, one thing I will say, I said working across 45 our field offices, that doesn't mean there were 45 FBI field offices working this case. It means that 45 field offices identified victims who had information on on Genesis Market. So it sounds like there's a lot of people working. This is probably one office. I think the main office here was Milwaukee. So the Milwaukee field office investigated the case with assistance from 44 other field offices, which probably had to do with victim notifications. But they also worked with UK's National Crime Agency, Italy's Polizia di Stato, Police of Denmark, Australian Federal Police, and a bunch of other. You can go read that. There's, there's, there's got to be 20 different international partners, which is good That because uh, working... Um, Back to back, or more, I'm sorry, working side to side with international partners is key for making any of this stuff be effective and being able to take down these kind of dark web marketplaces because their infrastructure is not located in the United States. They know that it's easy for the United States and the FBI specifically to get legal process if they identify the location of the server to seize it. So chances are, I don't know where the server was. I didn't look that closely into the case, which probably would have been a good plan before I started talking about it on a podcast, but essentially it was overseas somewhere in probably one of the countries that we're working with it. Uh, if it had been in Russia or China, it'd still be going today because certainly those two countries would not help take this down. So dumb criminals putting your stuff in a country where they're partners with the U.S. So that's bad OPSEC, but that's a that's a that's another podcast altogether so anyway so they got this stuff um it says victim credentials obtained over the course of the investigation have been provided to the website have i been pwned a free resource for people to quickly assess whether their access credentials have been compromised you should certainly look at that site it's have i been pwned it's p-w-n-e-d um and it will it is a legitimate site and you put in your email it'll tell you where what what particular data breaches your account's been compromised now the one thing i do not see in this maybe i'm missing it I'm reading the whole the whole pressure. I don't see anybody arrested. I took down the server. Thumbs up to that. But I don't see anyone being arrested. Now well, it's good that, that so I will say plus side that the um, taking down the server was thumbs up. Well, let's be honest. If the bad guys were not arrested with them, maybe they're in Russia. They're just going to set up a new new marketplace ultimately, and will continue on. So this will be. Uh, a nice break for a little while from this particular aspect, but it, it's not like this was the only location for the credentials. So just to note that uh, the Genesis market opened up in March, 2018. So it took five years to get to this point. And it's offered access to data stolen from over 1.5 million compromised computers containing over 80 million account access credentials. Account access credentials advertised for sale on Genesis market included those connected to the financial sector, critical infrastructure, federal, state, local government agencies, um, it does say Genesis Market was also one of the most prolific initial access brokers in the cybercrime world. These internet um, initial access brokers attract criminals looking to easily infiltrate a victim's com- com- computer system. Basically, they're a hack malware as a service, hacking as a service, and so you buy you pay access to get into these compromised networks so you can launch ransomware or do whatever you wish. So again, my issue here, it's good idea. This is good. They took it down because certainly you have to do those things, but let's not get all strung out that this is like the end of cyber crime forever. It's they, they swatted a mosquito. I'm, I'm sorry to say it that way. And again, I'm not, I'm not discounting that this was not a good case and that this was not a good outcome, but I'd like to see someone go to jail for this. Hopefully we will. Hopefully, ultimately, I will come back, mention this in a future podcast where someone was actually arrested um, and went to jail for exactly this 
kind of thing. But that's the problem with cybercrime. Here's a couple of things. That, I mean, a couple of my friends, Scott Ogdenbaum, says there are several truths when it comes to cybercrime. One is that if you lose your money, chances are you're not getting it back. That's certainly the case. Chances are no one's going to jail. And um, he has two other ones, but have, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm sure you've heard me say, say them many times before. Uh, it's been a long day. So um, that is the three articles I really wanted to touch on today. Wanted to give you a break from my pontificating in these lengthy interview, these lengthy interview type podcasts. So it's going to be a quick little 20 minute type of uh, deal. So as always, if you have thoughts, comments, questions, email me, Darren at the cyberguy.com. Thank you so much for downloading, for listening, for spreading the word about the cyber guy podcast. Again, follow me on LinkedIn, Darren Mott, D-A-R-R-E-N-M-O-T-T. It's very easy to find. I do content. I'm working on doing content every day on LinkedIn, some kind of information about cybersecurity that hopefully helps someone to stay safe. Because my goal here is to help people understand this crazy cyber world so that they can understand the threats targeting them. They can assess their risk and proceed wisely online. No knowledge is protection. Know that knowledge is protection. Uh, And so that the more you know, the safer you will be. Uh, If you're a company and you would like a free half hour review of a certain cyber issues within your industry, feel free me, feel free to email me. I will do that for free. Um, and with, and one thing I will note, um, if you have a personal crime issue, like within your network, contact local law enforcement. There's not much I can do from that sector, but I can certainly consult to folks who need assistance. So with that, thanks so much for listening. Hope you have a good week. Stay cyber safe.